Hey, welcome back to the big program. Time now for On the Mark, powered by Booster Juice. Visit a location today to refuel, refresh, and re-energize or download their new uh, Booster Juice Rewards app to earn, order, and enjoy as we uh, check in with Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet every day at 8 o'clock. Good morning, Spec. Morning, Kev. When do we... uh when we get to start doing this show when it's not pitch black outside? <laughs> not another month any, and a half. <laughs> getting any closer to that? <laughs> you know, I was thinking about that the other day, Spec. just the fact that, you know, we started in September and, you know, the nights were getting shorter and shorter and the days were getting, you know, darker and darker. But I'm wondering what it's going to be like to do this in June when we come into the studio and, you know, we <laughs> yeah. come in here and it's bright out and even going to bed at night. You know, like, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to go to bed at, like, normal time like it is in the dark, like, right now. I'm going to be up till, like, 11 o'clock in, in, uh, in uh, June when it's light out till midnight, yep. so. It's hard to go to bed in the summer when it's, you know, it's, mm-hmm. t- let's say you want to, what time do you go to bed now? Because you wake it, up so early. It varies, you know, like, I, sometimes I'll crawl in the bed at 10, um, maybe a little bit before. I'll, whatever's yes. on, like if there's a game on, I'll watch the third. Like I watched the third period in bed last night of the Leafs game. Yeah, you know that was a really good period of hockey. I watched it as well. Uh, but it's hard. And it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know what? It's kind of a, the way it works. I kind of like the way it works. We're in the middle of winter. It's the depths of winter. Yeah. We, we're we're in late <laughs> December, and we go, man. There's a lot of winter left. But at least you can say, and you do notice. Hey, wait, it's a little bit later. Like, mm-hmm. it's not dark at 4. Now it's dark at 4.15. Now it's dark at 4.45. Yeah. You get that little carrot, man. A There's tiny. a little bit of improvement to get you through Jan and Feb and March. And before <sighs> you know it, it's March and it's getting light. And hey, here we go, pal. It's, we don't need snow yet for Pete's None. Sake, so Next week it's going to get know what? cold. Though. I want to sh- send a shout out to the to Marmot Basin. Mm-hmm. I was I was so pumped to go up there and ski that knob chair this year. Yeah. And uh, they can't even open it yet. I I, I feel terrible for them. They mm-hmm. for years and years and years they've waited to put that chair in, and they finally put it together. They got a chairlift up to extended the knob, which you and I have been on mm-hmm. many times. Grew up on that chairlift, and uh, oh my goodness, now they're just waiting for snow, and it's not coming right now. So uh, if you can support them somehow, you should. <laughs> yeah, well, do a snow dance. <laughs> do a snow dance <laughs> you know I, I, the, when you mentioned the Leafs game last night how you know it was a little the, the time of it I always kind of chuckle and it's good for the game this is great but you know to accommodate the eastern viewers in Toronto they moved the game up to what a six o'clock start in Anaheim yeah you know so yeah, normally it would be seven in Anaheim right and 10 o'clock in Toronto that's how it is right but because so it it's, you know, the Leafs and, you know, well, let's just bump her up to six o'clock so we can have a little more time out to, you know. Well, it's make good. a little more money. It's good. You know, theory, in it, theory, yeah. the more money the Leafs make, the more money the league gets, the more money the Anaheim Ducks get. Mm-hmm. Right? They're, I mean, it's a, it's a circuitous route, but, mm-hmm. but they'll do better on an earlier start against an Eastern team. They should do the same thing for the Rangers, right? It, it was, Boston. Yeah, it was mostly Leaf fans there anyway. What I was kind of getting at is the Anaheim fans are going, okay, well, I got to, from work, I got to get to the rink now at six instead of a seven normal start. Yep. So harder on the well, home team. Gonna, 
us folks in Edmonton, we know it. Our games on yes. Saturday night start at 8 o'clock. Mm-hmm. You know, New Year's Eve. I've been to more New Year's Eve 8 o'clock games. By the time I'm walking out of the rink, there's New Year's has passed. Like, why? This year, it was a 6 o'clock game in Anaheim. or started 6 in Edmonton, yeah. right, yeah. on New Year's. But generally speaking, Oilers fans get the late game because that's what TV wants. Mm-hmm. And the Leafs have to play first. So we know the pain. Of dealing with being in the same network as the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's not always great. So uh, we touched on this off the top. 40 years ago tonight, okay, a young Mark Spector, 40 years ago, were you in uh, university yet? First year, maybe? Yeah, yeah, I would have been uh, 18 years old 40 years ago. You still would have been hungover from New Year's Eve and everything, right? Yeah, first year of university for me 40 years ago. Did you go to well, class happened, at all? What happened 40 years ago? 40 years ago tonight at Old Northlands Coliseum was basically the highest scoring game in modern day NHL history. The Oilers beat Minnesota 12 8. <laughs> That's something. Awesome. Now, How many goalies did they use? Well, the Grand Fuhr played the entire game for the Oilers, let in eight. Uh, Gilles Malosh and Don Beaupre played for Minnesota. Now, the, the the funny part, or whatever you want to call it, so Wayne Gretzky had eight points. He had three goals, five assists. The The crazy part of everything here is that he had those uh, points after 40 minutes. Now, everyone... Oh, he didn't have a point in the third. He never had a point in the third period. Now, everyone knows what the benchmark, what the standard is, the gold standard, 10 points by Daryl Sittler. And, and everyone would have known about that because that was in 1976. Oh, yeah. So here we are, eight years later, and Wayne Gretzky's got a shot at this with 20 minutes left in the game, but he didn't get a point. Jeez. What was the score after two? Like, how many goals did the order score in the third? It was the score, the final score was 12 8, and both teams scored two goals in the third period. Okay. So it would have been. Uh, well, 10-8 after 10-8 for the Oilers after. Yeah. Um, sorry, 10-6. After two. Yeah, 10-6. 10-6 after two. I'm going to say two. he was probably just tired from raising his arms in the air for 40 minutes. <laughs> well, yes, but then Minnesota scored two early goals to make it 10-8. So it was 10-8 four minutes into the third period. Okay. And then oh at that goodness. point, so now it's still game on. So it's not like you're saying, okay, Gretz, you, you've done enough or whatever. No, it's still in its share. The game's still in the balance. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, and someone, you know, back in the day, you know, I would imagine Bill Tuelli or, or someone at the, at the time would have said, you know what, Gretz, you're only two back of Sittler. And Gretz would have known that too. Gretz would have known it himself. He's, yeah. a, he's an Ontario yeah. kid. He would have watched that game. I mean, I'm a Western kid. I can remember watching that game. Mm -hmm. So he would have, you don't have to tell, you never had to tell Gretz about a record like that. He'd have known, and you're right, for Wayne Gretzky to walk out of that dressing room needing two points and not get it, like he (laughs) always delivered on that. We're seeing some of that with McDavid in the big moment when you need something, he delivers. Well, Gretz Gretz was the man of the moment. He got, I mean, maybe... There's a lot of reasons for it. The most is because he's the greatest player ever to put skates on. But uh, for him to not have delivered those two points is more surprising to me than anything, for sure. Uh, just kind of looking at the um, summary, and there was a couple scraps. <laughs> I was, there was, uh, it looks like Kenny Linsman and uh, Mark Napier, who was playing for Minnesota at the time, got in a tilt. As hey, did, that's a bantamweight <laughs> scrap. Yeah, as did... Um, Randy Gregg and possibly Willie Plett, I think. Ooh. So that uh, that would have been something to see there. 
there's tons of power play goals in this game, as you can imagine. One, two, three, <laughs> four, five, six, seven power play goals. So who ref the game? I don't know. I can't find that. But I was just looking Doesn't at the say. summary last night and tonight, and I was like. Oh, man. But uh, Glenn Anderson had three points. Paul Coffey had three points. Uh, Charlie Huddy had three points. Uh, Just the three. Yeah. Wow. Mar- Mark Messier had six assists. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, you were saying, so you, did you remember watching this? Because, I mean. No, I don't. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember watching yeah. it. I don't. I remember yeah. watching Daryl Sittler score all okay. those points on yes. a Saturday night, 76. I was like 11 years old. Yeah. And I do remember that game. Uh, I don't remember this game. No. I, I Did I watch it? You know, mm-hmm. I think I watched 97% of the games the Oilers played in those years. <laughs> but being an 18-year-old in university, a guy might have had something else going on too. <laughs> the, yeah. Well, the other thing, there's a very good chance this game wasn't even on TV. There's a chance of that. Some yeah, of the games very good chance. Sure back then. And, um, you know, for me, I would have found out about it about a week later reading it in the hockey news. <laughs> <laughs> Riding the bus. Is that, that's what it would have been, yeah. Reading it on the <laughs> hockey news. Holy cow, look what happened last week because that's how it was. Yeah. You know, 40 years ago. <laughs> yeah, kids these days, like, you know, they don't probably realize yeah. how we did it back then a lot of times. There was, you know, and it really, it, I remember when they'd go out east, let's say the orders go out east for four games, and for sure only three of them would be on TV, mm-hmm. sometimes two. And you'd be like, man, we get to watch them play the Islanders because the Islanders were good, so they'd make sure that was on. But then they're playing the Rangers the next night. It's not on TV. And you couldn't just go to some package or go to the Internet or something. It didn't exist. It wasn't on TV at all. And then you'd wait up for the – that was the days, of course, when you'd wait up till 11 Mm o'clock on ITV to see Dutchie so you could find out who – you know, you'd listen to Rod, but you want to see the highlights. and. That's you know that's what made that that was the death. You know this better than mm-hmm. me. The death of those shows was when we could watch every game. We didn't need the highlight package, and now the highlights start at you know nine <laughs> o'clock on Sportsnet and TSN. I don't have to wait till eleven o'clock to see my highlights. They're right? everywhere. Yeah, there's just it's nonstop. It is nonstop. Uh, you know, and then I would say back then, so there was only one game on Hockey Night in Canada. So. Normally, it would be if you saw the Oilers on Hockey Night in Canada, they'd have to go out out east back in the early 80s and things like that. Then when ITV came on and started broadcasting the games and, you know, you had Tim Spellacy as the host and uh, Tim Dancy and then uh, Bruce Buchanan came along and, you know, they had they had a great cast of characters, but it was way different. I mean, you, you only got to saw got, got, got to see every few games. And when I got to ITV and then... Uh, uh, global spec one of the, the the best things that i enjoyed doing was going back into the archives in the early 80s and finding all the 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 highlight packages that were stolen from everywhere like that's how it worked you know you should you should see you should see the archives and they're just simply amazing to go back and see all the old video it just really well, is the, the you know one of the the reasons why the nhl uh, was balking at taking in the last four in, uh, WHA teams, which were Edmonton, Winnipeg, Quebec, and Hartford, was the Canadian owners were sour that they were adding three Canadian teams and they were going to have to split up the Hockey Night in Canada money. Mm-hmm. They didn't like that much. So, you know, three more Canadian teams, that's, that's a you know, obviously the pie gets smaller. Yeah. 
And back then, what they did in their infinite wisdom was they started Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday night. The game started at the same time right across the country. So they'd start in, in uh, you know, they were 6 o'clock in Edmonton, which is 8 o'clock in Toronto, which is 7 o'clock in Winnipeg, and 5 o'clock in Vancouver. They'd drop all the pucks at the same time back then mm-hmm. <laughs> right yeah. which doesn't make any sense now of course they discovered the double header and that's all gone but back in the day the, everybody dropped the puck at the same time across canada mark specter with us on uh sports 1440 that was a pretty good conversation without even really touching on you know oilers <laughs> with a day off yesterday and today back at practice and then the skills tonight uh, do you do you uh, do you ever go to the skills and kind of watch or anything like that uh, yeah, that skills are today, right? Or are they tonight. tonight? What are tonight they? at seven, yeah. Yeah, okay, no, I won't go tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, I mean, I would enjoy it, but I guess I got to say, I spent enough mm-hmm. evenings in rinks when I don't have to go at night, there's a good chance I won't. If I had little kids to take, I sure would take them. I think that's it's a really a, fun night. It's what it's all about, yeah. The kids yeah. and the fans get a little closer to the team, and that's a, an opportunity because a lot of, you know, it's 15 bucks to get in. And a lot of the fans that are, you know, whatever tier you want to call them, they, they can't afford <laughs> to go to games, right? And, and no, now not. they can go to this, and, and these are the, they're, they're heroes, right? Yeah, no, no, I agree. Uh, so it's a really fun night. I like what they've done with it. They've made it at night. They used to do it at a normal practice on a Saturday often. Uh, it's a night thing tonight. It'd be fun to do. Um, in fact, speaking of Oilers, I did notice this morning to change the topic a little that uh, I see the Penguins have sent Jesse Pugliarvi down to Scranton Wil- or Wilkes-Barre Scranton, mm-hmm. they call it now, uh, their AHL team, to begin an official PTO. Uh, so he'll start uh, playing hockey, right? Getting over his double hip surgery and playing in the AHL. And uh, Kyle Dubas, I think, still thinks he's, you know, he thinks he's maybe got a right winger. Well, for the Pittsburgh Penguins one day. You know, it's a, it's a reclamation project. That's what it is. And, I mean, there are a lot of high, high draft picks that didn't work out that down the road kind of do. Like, yep. even and even reinvent their game. And one guy that I always think about that was such a high-scoring guy that was a high draft pick at Chicago Blackhawks, Daniel Cleary. And he, Danny Cleary, he yep. had, you know, he was a hundred point guy from Carbonier or Newfoundland. And <laughs> then he just couldn't find his way in the NHL, but changed his game, became a heck of a checker, heck of a two-way player and had a long career in the NHL. Well, it's like they say, it's easier to go from center to wing than wing to center. Yeah. It's easier to go from hundred point guy to plugger than from plugger to hundred point guy, yeah. <laughs> right? So when you're Dan Cleary and you've obviously got a good mind for the game, you've obviously got tons of skill. Uh, as long as you can skate, which he could skate okay, you can figure out how to be a third or fourth line guy. Andrew Cogliano is probably the top guy yeah. you think about here in Edmonton. Played 1,200 games and probably only about 400 of them as a guy we thought was going to be a top six forward, Mm -hmm. right? Once he figured out my destiny lies, Todd Marchant, once he figured out my destiny lies in in being a depth guy and doing those things, they got in, you know, hundreds of more hockey games in the league. So how does that apply to Jesse Pugliarvi? Is Jesse Pugliarvi... Uh, I'm not, you know, you'd have to ask him, does he see himself as a depth guy? Does he still think he should be a top six guy? Does he have what it takes, the checking ability, the smarts, the savvy to be 
you know, what what becomes a penalty killing checker on the right side. I don't know. You know, we're gonna <laughs> let's see what he's got. I'm not saying he doesn't, but I'm not sure that I'm gonna tell you he does yet. Nah. Let's watch it and see. We'll see what he does down there. So hey Spec, thanks for this. Uh, appreciate it as always every day at eight o'clock. We'll see you down at the rink uh, for practice today. Sounds good, Kev. All right, that's On The Mark, energized by Booster Juice. Get the boost you need at Booster Juice. When we come back, Frank Saravalli from the Daily Faceoff and our headliner of the day for Mr. Rooter on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Ah, oh, that song can only mean one thing. Time for our headliner of the day, brought to you by Mr. Rooter. At Mr. Rooter, they only employ the finest organic grain-fed free-range plumbers. For all your plumbing needs, go to mrrooter.ca as we welcome in Frank Saravalli from the Daily Faceoff and our Tuesday and Thursday contributor at 8.20 every morning. Good morning, Frank. Kevin, how you doing? Well, just kind of keeping an eye on this uh, Czech-Sweden game. It's 2-2 in the second period. I'm sure you are as well. Uh, we were talking about the last time you were on, basically the Czech-Canada game was on, and it was a close game at that point. And uh, unfortunately for Canada, they lost. And we were talking about it off the top of the show. It just it feels weird because it's only happened a couple of times that Canada hasn't made it to the semifinal. So it's kind of a little bit of an empty feeling around here today, I guess. I I get it. Um, it also kind of cracks me up the discord that mm-hmm. happens in Canada whenever that <laughs> is the case, the rare, you know, tournament that that doesn't happen. It's like, well, they're teenagers. Leave them alone. And a, a buddy of mine, Pete Blackburn, he posted this sort of like infographic on Twitter. And I don't know if you saw it, but it, it's like one of those like, did Canada win? And if the answer is yes, then... We are the greatest hockey country in the world. We invented this bleep. (laughs) And then the other part, so you go back to the top, and it's like, did Canada win? And it's like, no. Then the line is drawn down. It says, who cares? It's a tournament for babies. And, like, that's really kind of – there's no in the middle. It's like, well, they're teenagers. Leave them alone. Or look how impressive these kids are. We dominate. We own hockey. We we own the NHL. That's kind of, like, how it happens in Canada. I don't know why it needs to be all or nothing. Like, maybe just the answer is – this Canadian team this year, without Fantilli, without Bedard, without some of the other top players of this age mm-hmm. bracket, they're just a mostly average team. I said that going in. I had a bad feeling. You can ask the Duke. I didn't think Canada would medal at this tournament. However, I didn't think they would lose in the quarterfinals either. Um, having said all that, I mean, I think the top two teams still are and actually, I, I don't even think the top two teams. I think the top team is the United States by far. And as we're seeing right now between Sweden and Czech, uh, that it's up for grabs between who number two is. And we'll see what happens with Finland today. How, what do you make of the Sweden, the uh, sorry, the Finland uh, USA game uh, later today? I mean, the Finns have have sort of been all over the place this tournament, and definitely were not the most impressive team in the preliminary round. So. I don't want to say it should be a cakewalk because you never know when you have Mm -hmm. teenagers and emotion involved and the U.S. is now carrying the sort of burden of being that favorite. But uh, I don't know. kind of feels like to me like the start of world domination for the U.S. (laughs) ahead of the – so you got the 2024 World Junior, 2025 International Hockey, and then 2026 Olympics. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Easy, Frank. The U.S. Easy. Is, is going to take the title from Canada at some point soon. 
as top <laughs> hockey country. Okay, we'll be talking about uh, as it progresses. Who's who's impressed you on the uh, U.S. roster? Guys like uh, Lane Hudson, Rutger, McGordy have, have had pretty good tournaments so far. Who else caught your eye? Man, I love Lane Hudson mm-hmm. so much. That pick at 62 overall by the Montreal Canadiens, just another reminder that you cannot scout with a tape measure in today's NHL. He's going to be so good in in the league and can't wait for the Canadians to get their hands on him uh, once he leaves BU. And mm-hmm. um, I think part of the most impressive part about this U.S. team is you don't have Cole Iserman there, who's – very likely to go number two overall behind Macklin Celebrini. Not to say that it's another indication of depth of the team, but a lot of people looked at the roster and were like, yeah, Iserman doesn't, he shouldn't be cracking that group. Mm -hmm. That's how good they are. So kind of gives you some indication of um, not just who's there, but also who who isn't because you have to play that part of it if you're going to talk about some of the Canadian guys that are missing to the NHL. Frank Saravalli with us on Sports 1440. Light night in the NHL last night, but I think a lot of people were keeping an eye on that Toronto-Anaheim game uh, oh. because just the way it unfolded in Lucas Dostal with 55 saves. Uh, man, uh, it was that was a performance, one of the better goaltending performances we've seen this year. One of the better goaltending performances we've seen in the last decade. <laughs> I think when it it's not just the numbers, it's also eye test. I mean, it was pure dominance by the Toronto Maple Leafs against a really overmatched Anaheim team and I guess when you have someone like Lucas Dostal who's played as well as he has this year it sort of makes you understand why the Ducks are in a spot to consider moving John Gibson for the longest time I was like well what are they going to do if they don't have him now they kind of appear to be answering that question so I mean I think Gibson's got three more years after this one at what six and a half how difficult, how easy is it to move a goaltender like that at this stage? I think it's pretty difficult just based on the cap hit. Mm -hmm. And look, he's played better this year. He's gotten back to his career averages um, after a a down year last year with the Ducks being one of the very worst teams in the league, understandable. I think some frustration had set in for John Gibson. Um, But at a time when we're starting to see team spending less on goaltending. And I think that's going to be one of the big early signs of what the market is going to look like next summer. I just, I don't see the reason, especially statistically, like it's really hard to make the case that at six and a half million bucks, even on a good team that John Gibson is going to give you anything more Mm -hmm. than what you could get from someone making a million and a half or two and a half million I don't know why you'd want to sign up for the term to try and find out the difference, let alone add in the acquisition cost on top of it because Anaheim is reportedly looking for something pretty significant. Mm. Um, So you were mentioning on Tuesday, Frank, that you're just in the process here in the next uh, few weeks to assemble your list of, of, you know, players that are looking that they might be traded, uh, could be interested in a trade, teams might be interested in them. So besides a guy like John Gibson, is there anyone off the top of your head that you're thinking – yeah, this is going to be at the top of my list once I start assembling uh, this list. Yeah, I'm going to point right to the Calgary Flames, and it's going to be Elias Lindholm that's right at the top of the list, most likely. I think it's still too early for some other guys like uh, Jake Gensel in Pittsburgh. Like The Penguins are only two points out of a playoff spot. Mm. With all that they've invested in this year, are we really in a, in a position where we can declare Jake Gensel as authentically being available? I 
I think that's crazy. Yeah. Um, so for right now, for where we're at for Tuesday, when we talk again and my trade targets will be coming out that day, um, that'll be the exact 60-day countdown. Um, it's March 8th is the deadline. I know Monday is the 8th, but this is actually a leap year, Kevin. Yes. So 60, I... 60 days uh, to the day on Tuesday, and I'll be ready. Lindholm is very likely to be number one. You know, it's funny you mentioned that, Frank. I, I was talking about the leap year thing and because I was looking at holidays already next year and then how it changed just dramatically with that one day going, oh, man, I'm going to have to really rejig this around Christmas because we were talking about Christmas schedules and stuff already. Uh, next year already where are you going what are you doing well just because the duke was forced to work 57 hours straight here over the christmas holidays and we're thinking about maybe giving him some time off next year Jeez, <laughs> he's gonna have to earn it oh he's earned it already frank uh you know what the one guy when chicago when the, when the oilers played chicago dickinson had a pretty good game against the oilers yep. and uh, it just and again he's i think 2.3 uh becomes a, a free agent next year so there's no term left on his contract how many teams do you think will be interested in him I think a few. Um, I think he's really kind of found a way to rejuvenate himself. I think getting out of van was such a big thing for him in his career that he just wanted some opportunity that he obviously wasn't going to get with the Canucks. And he was a pure salary dump. Mm -hmm. And at the time, people were kind of critical of the Canucks saying, hey, why, you know, it wasn't all that long ago that you acquired this guy. Why are you now trying to move him? And let alone attaching a, a pick as a price tag to do it. And there's been opportunity abound in Chicago. It's crazy how many guys are missing from that that Chicago roster right at this exact moment in time. I mean, just look at their injured reserve right now. Yeah. Seth Jones, Taylor Hall, Tyler Johnson, Andreas Athanasiu, Anthony Beauvillier, Joey Anderson, Taylor Radish, and geez, that's, that's a, a huge yeah. chunk of your team. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot. So, But what happens if you can retain 50%? On Dickinson. Now, some people have said, hey, maybe Tyler Johnson is another guy that'll be out there and an attractive piece for a team. I kind of think uh, the the game has really passed Tyler Johnson by, um, and that's going to be a much more difficult transaction. But at, I don't know, Dickinson at 1.3 million bucks pending uh, mm-hmm. UFA, like there's no term. To me, he makes a lot of sense as a flippable asset for the Blackhawks, who, by the way, have some interesting decisions to make. Not very many guys under contract next year, let alone a couple years from now. They've got tons of cap space. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see someone like a Nick Felino signed to return there. And they have to start thinking about how and who they're going to surround Connor Bedard with. Um, oh, they're thinking. Yeah, they're thinking. Uh, Frank Saravalli with us on Sports 1440. We're less than a month to the All-Star game. Frank, in Toronto, the rosters are starting to take uh, shape, get assembled. Do you like the process, how it is going to happen, and how voting works, how the t- players are inserted, et cetera, et cetera? Here's my take on All-Star. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I'm not knocking anyone that gets selected or someone that doesn't. Um, players love their time off. And so the guys that aren't picked, you know, some of them might be a little offended based on the season that they've had. But when you have to select one player from all 32 teams, it doesn't really leave you much wiggle room. So if you're in Edmonton and you want to celebrate Zach Hyman this year for his 50-goal pace and, and how unbelievable he's played – he deserves to be saluted and celebrated. Do it in the fan vote. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oilers Nation, go go mobilize and and get Zach Hyman voted in to play in his hometown for All Star Weekend. Mm-hmm. That'd be a great story. You have the power as a fan to go do it. But for anyone that belly aches about the process, you're also probably the first person to be on social media <laughs> bitching saying that you, you know All Star Weekend is pointless and doesn't mean anything. Those two things can't be true at the same time. How much would a million dollar bucks uh, in the uh, skills competition make a difference for you know awareness and just uh, people following the game in the weekend? I guess. Well, I think you're going to have significant buy-in, and it's not just because of the dollar figure that's on the line. And for some of these guys, like a million bucks is still a million bucks. Like I know Connor McDavid, not to say he's you know thumbing his nose at a million, but this contract alone is a hundred million, and plus all the endorsements and everything else that he's got coming his way, Connor McDavid's just fine. Mm-hmm. But the reason why you're going to have buy-in is because he helped design it. And it's a spot where there's only so few players competing. And once you're warmed up, you're in. It's not like the previous years that I think a lot of players really had an issue with, which is, A, the fastest skater is the first thing right out of the gate. So you're going from 0 to 100 to try and put on a show. Feels like a pretty easy way to get injured. Players (laughs) don't love that. And then after the first event, you might not be in another one for another hour and a half. And you're just sitting there the whole time cold, and then you need to perform again. So I don't think players like that part of it. Now this time you're going to have one group that's going to be competing against each other the whole time until some of them are eliminated. And I think that's going to add some more theater. Mm -hmm. And plus the guys that are in it, are going to be invested, not because of the dollar figure, but because once you're you're in, you're in. And you're, you wouldn't be in if you didn't want to be in. You could just raise your hand beforehand. Uh, Frank, got a text for you from Tiger, and I don't know much about this, but it's... Tiger uh, Williams? Uh, just, it could be Tiger Williams. We have a lot of Tigers on the show. Uh, it could be Tiger Woods, who knows. <laughs> hey, uh, Kevin, there is a Philadelphia reality show called Parking Wars where people get tagged mm. and towed and scream. Can you ask Frank if he has ever been booted in Philly? Well, no, I've never been booted because I pay. I I would pay my parking ticket if I got one. You only get booted if you have three parking tickets that remain unpaid for a period of time. Mm-hmm. So I am not a deadbeat, but I will tell you that I did know and was friends with one of the previous heads of the Philadelphia Parking Authority. <laughs> and so if that ever became an issue, I'm pretty sure I could just make a phone call. And you're, yeah, you're, you've had how many tickets have you had fixed over the years? Honestly, I don't. Um, I always pay my parking meter, and a lot of them are on the on an app now. It's really mm-hmm. not hard to do before you get out of your car. You don't need any change, and so I think I've maybe gotten two or three parking tickets in my life. I've had way more speeding tickets, but. I always seem to wink, wink, know someone to <laughs> to get them fixed as oh. well. I come from a a police family, and oh. uh, and I have some friends. So. Who, what's your police family story? Uh, my my white my father in law and my brother in law are both Philadelphia police officers. Oh, really? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, one quick one, just about the Eagles. What are your thoughts moving forward here, big guy? Uh, not good. Mm. <laughs> the fact that they're going to have to likely do it all on the road as a five seed is just there's something wrong with this team aj brown i don't know if you saw his comments yesterday but he basically was saying we're not on the same page and that there seems to certainly be some infighting i wouldn't be surprised at all just reading the tea leaves not not only may they have some significant coordinator changes at the end of the year i think nick sirianni's Mm. job is on the line 
even with getting this team to the Super Bowl last year and the winning record that he has in his tenure, there's just way too much confusion for a clearly talented team. Maybe Belichick comes in. Oh man, there's something about that. It's like, it's like getting, it's like getting in bed with the evil empire. You just, <laughs> you don't, you don't do that. Hey Frank, thanks for this. Uh, we'll talk on uh, Tuesday. Enjoy the games this weekend. Have a good one. That's Frank Saravalli from the Daily Faceoff, and more importantly, our headliner of the day for Mr. Rooter. There's a reason they call him Mr. For all your plumbing needs, go to mrrooter.ca. Text came in from Marty. We just didn't get to it till now, but Marty says, very foggy coming into Edmonton from the west near River Cree. So if you're driving, just uh, be cautious, be careful, be aware. Uh, thanks, Marty, for sending that in. Uh, looking for a high of minus five today, but boy, oh boy, things really... Well, actually, tomorrow's okay. The weekend is kind of okay, but then into next week is when we start to feel like winter. Uh, when we come back, some open text time. Got a few to get through. At 9 o'clock, we'll have our ski report plus our game of the day. Judy Batista from NFL.com at 920. Uh, Sam Ojo. Or she goes by Samantha Wojohowicz, Sam Wojo, uh, Sam Wojo. Uh, there's three three things she goes by. I think I'm I'm kind of getting through all this just, as well. Just just Sam Sam Woj Sam Woj. Sam. Uh, but a, a heck of an artist, and she did the Connor McDavid uh, painting. Check it out on social media if you have a chance uh, before we get to her at 940. Adam Surgery at 1020. When we come back, some open text time and a little chit-chat with the Duke when we come back on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Who's that Duke? Kenny Chestnut? The one and only. Really? Ah, oh, you know. Trust it, Kev. I'm starting to, you know, when you start hearing the artist... And you you make that mental image, and when that note hits your ear, you can see it. <laughs> it was a wild guess. Open open opens your eyes. It was a wild guess. You saw the light. Uh, well, yeah, I saw the light. All right. <laughs> uh, NHL tonight. We have thirteen games in the National Hockey League again. So two games last night. We had thirteen games Tuesday. Two on last night, 13 tonight, only three on Friday. And then, you know, Saturday's busy, always 12. But it's really been unbalanced this week. Uh, you know, one on New Year's Day, just the outdoor game. Um, so tonight, one of the games tonight that uh, is Vancouver and St. Louis. And just saw a post from a, a friend of the show, if you want to call it, Kelly Chase. And Kelly Chase said, you, you, re- you have a real friend that will spend four hours in a hospital room the night before the game on the road. So Vancouver's in St. Louis. Uh, Kelly Chase, uh, he posted the picture with him and Rick Tockett. So we wish uh, Kelly Chase all the best. Uh, just a salt of the earth uh, kind of guy. And so Rick Tockett goes and spends, uh, you know, four hours in a hospital room the night before a game with his friend Kelly Chase. So uh, top notch by Tockett. And again, we wish uh, Kelly Chase all the very best. Um Tonight in the NHL, again, a busy, busy schedule. One of the games that we're going to focus on in our St. Albert Dodge game of the day will be Nashville and Calgary. That's coming up at 9 o'clock, so uh, stay tuned for that one. At the World Junior Hockey Championship, semifinals, Czech and Sweden, 2-2 after 2. Can the Czechs pull off another one? After the upset of Canada in the quarterfinals, can they upset the host Swedes, to move on to the championship final. Uh, We had a text in earlier 
because we were talking about Ladislav Schmid uh, not being uh, on the show today because Laddie is in Vancouver with the uh, under-15 Edmonton JPHL squad. And this comes from a guy who didn't get a name. Send us your name. But anyway, he says, my son is Jake, and he is there with Laddie in Vancouver. Uh, I was texting Laddie about, you know, being in check, coming home, Watching the Czech game, which he didn't have a chance to do, watch the Czech-Canada game. He was on a flight coming back from his uh, Christmas vacation with his family back to Canada. And wouldn't you know it, the whole flight, that's when the game was on. Obviously, a little longer flight than what it was. But he was in the air, landed, and obviously his phone blows up and everyone talking about uh, Czech beating Canada on uh, Tuesday. So... Uh, he said his friend, one of his good friends is uh, Patrick Augusta, who's the head coach of uh, the Czech team. So we'll keep an eye on that one, 2-2. After 40 minutes, game number two of the semifinals at the World Championship, Finland and the USA coming up right after uh, that game concludes Czech and Sweden. So in case you missed it, Dylan Holloway was assigned to Bakersfield yesterday. Uh, Bakersfield lost to the, uh, or pardon me, Bakersfield beat the Abbotsford Canucks 6-5 last night in a shootout. Dylan Holloway did not play. And how we see Holloway's usage here in the next little bit, when would we see him back with the big club, what that does to the lineup? A lot of interesting options for head coach Chris Knobloch. Text coming in, one 401 1440. Uh, again, I wanted to touch on Marty saying very foggy on the west side near River Cree. Uh, Duke, what has got you fired up about the NHL second half here? The Oilers slow started. We touched on it on, I guess, on Tuesday, just after everything is all said and done, that the Oilers record after going into the Philadelphia game, basically it was the same as what it was last year and the year before, give or take a, an overtime loss here or there. Do you see the Oilers, and again, they finished last year with, what, nine straight wins, or they had nine wins in a row to close out the season. Is this where we see, and do you think that they can catch not only L.A., because L.A. is in the third seed, and we had this yesterday as one of our questions, are you in or are you out? Do they have the ability to catch either Vegas or Vancouver, in the one-two hole, uh, I I do think so, Kevin. And we we knew, and I think, well, at least we we thought we knew that earlier this season, when the Oilers were off to their atrocious start, that this was not you know the true version of this team. And thing, basically, everything that was going wrong was at that time. And putting yourself in that big of a hole early in the season is is obviously difficult to to come out of. But when you look at their most recent stretch of games, which does include a couple of consecutive losses sandwiched between these two winning streaks, it's like the numbers are much more encouraging um, all the way down from, you know, your analytics mm-hmm. to, to shot generation. And then, of course, the actual goals and the uh, the goals against total, too, because we know this team can score at will sometimes. And we've seen that um, over the past couple games, basically, against Philly and Anaheim who are, you know, Anaheim with John Gibson, uh, a good goaltender, mm-hmm. albeit a kind of a porous defensive team. And the Flyers under uh, John Tortorella, yes, at the end of a road trip, but one of the uh, stingiest teams uh, in terms of allowing goals in the NHL this season. So all that to say, the defensive side is where 
I still have a few causes for concern because even in that Philly game, the Mark Stahl goal, it's a, it kind of goes under the radar because they won so handily. But that was at the time the tying goal. And once again, it's just in a missed assignment on a back check. It doesn't matter if it's Mark Stahl or if it's uh, Quinn Hughes coming down, sneaking into the play. Like that, that is somebody's guy on a back check. And it's kind of a little bit of puck watching. Mm-hmm. So it's improved a lot, the defensive structure, both defending against the rush and in zone. Um, I won't say it's just because of the coaching change, but I think it's just a matter of like everybody kind of getting on the same page here as the team has turned around as a whole. But that would be my only real cause cause for concern because I am a believer in Stuart Skinner, um, not as a guy that can play 50, 60. 55 to 60 games a year, but in a, a kind of balanced workload. And I do think that Calvin Pickard is, is a capable backup. Can he play that many games? To, to give Stuart Skinner the rest he needs when this schedule will get a lot more arduous uh, following this month. Because let's be honest, the Oilers' schedule so far in terms of games played, number of days, back-to-backs, has been about as much of a cakewalk as you could ever ask for in anybody in the league, really. I think it's probably been the easiest uh, strength of schedule in the league. I, 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 I Without looking up the numbers, I would think it would have to be close to the top. Uh, text coming in. This one's a very good one, and thanks for uh, putting this together. Rob from West Edmonton. KK, I found a video of the January 4th, 1984 Oilers game. In case you missed it off the top, and then with Mark Spector, we are talking about tonight, 40 years ago at Northlands Coliseum. The Oilers played the Minnesota North Stars, 112-8. It's the highest scoring game in NHL modern day history. Now, this text from Rob says he found a video. Ron Wicks was the referee because Speck asked who was the referee. Uh, the linesmen were Randy Morton and Swede Knox. Now, Swede Knox, it seemed like he was on the lines for every Oilers game, wasn't he? <laughs> Back in the day. But Ron Wicks was the official. Uh, the referee and uh, Randy Morton and Swede Knox were the linesmen. Uh, we got another text. We received it earlier in the show. This came from Mill Creek Dog Walker. Uh, he texts in and says, I was working game nights for the Oilers back then. All the talk between the second and third period was Wayne Gretzky breaking the record. And again, in case you missed it, so... It was 12-8 was the final score. But after the second period, the score was 10-6 for the Oilers. And after 40 minutes, Wayne Gretzky had three goals and five assists. The all-time record for scoring in a game, NHL game, was Daryl Sittler back in 1976 at 10 points. Everything was going at six goals. Everything was going in for Sittler. So could you imagine the buzz in the building at Northlands Coliseum that night when you would have to say, you would be assured like that he's going to tie the record. I mean, Wayne Gretzky broke every record. 39 games, 50 goals. I mean, he, he did it all. And this was a situation where I bet every person in the stands that night believed that he would at least tie that record or, or at least get the ninth point. But in the third period of that game, it ended up to be uh, two goals for Minnesota, two early goals. The Oilers ended up having to uh, score two more goals to make it a 12-8 final. Mark Messier had only six assists, and there were a couple scraps in the game, as we discussed. Uh, interesting to see 40 years ago tonight at uh, Northlands Coliseum. When we come back, top of the hour, we've got to get to our ski report, plus our uh, game of the day for St. Albert Dodge. We will check in with Judy Batista, NFL.com, and uh, run down this weekend's schedule. No Thursday night game tonight, which feels weird again. And uh, Sam Woj, Samantha Wojoho, 
We've got four or five names for her. That's the first question I'm going to ask her. What do you want to go by, Sam? Uh, Samantha Woj. So, uh, great Canadian artist. If you've got a chance, check her out. Uh, she did a wicked picture of Connor McDavid the other night uh, when he uh, passed the 900-point plateau in uh, 602 games. Adam Surgery from the Sherwood Park Crusaders will guess with us at 10.20. Before that, time now for a Sports 1440 Update brought to you by Tommy Guns, home of the ultimate grooming experience. Our hot towel shaves, awesome haircuts and treatments were designed for you. Book now at Tommy Tommyguns.com. Here is the Duke.